Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of the Makers.dev podcast, and welcome back, me, to the Makers.dev podcast. Chris, how's it going? It is going... It's going okay. I had some good things happen this week. I had some bad things <laughs> happen this week. Uh, overall, doing okay. How it's funny you? you should say that, because I also had some good things happen this week, and some bad things happen this week. <laughs> the worst of which, which is just debilitating for me living in Texas in the summer, I have a terrible grass pollen allergy which like of all the allergies to have <laughs> grass is just everywhere like it's not like an, i can avoid it in food and uh it happens seasonally and like this is one of the seasons where if you go on one of these allergy trackers it's like very high every single day of the week specifically for grass pollen uh and last summer i saw this by driving to ohio where timothy grass doesn't grow and now I'm dating this woman, and I, I really like this relationship, and she's in Dallas, and she has a regular job, and also my family's all in Dallas, and like it's super fun hanging out with them. And oh, I would love, I would love a solution to this problem. It's uh, oh man, it's not fun. Yeah, move to when, Arizona. Huh? That's the solution I know about. <laughs> yeah, that's what Amy Hoy did, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that seems to be yeah, just <laughs> move somewhere where nothing can live, and. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, the environment I would need. Yeah, no, it sucks. Uh, and is like it's really hard to do work when breathing is impeded. Uh, I I don't like it. Uh, I love the concept of uh, in this last episode. So I, I was in Austin uh, on this trip uh, when we would have recorded the last episode. I love doing the guest things. Uh, that, that was so cool. Uh, learning all about Boring Rails and Matt Swanson and what he was up to uh that was a that was a fun diversion from the usually scheduled program uh to be a that'd be a cool thing to do next time one of us but not both of us is out yeah yeah it was neat to get someone else's uh, perspective on some things um talked about a lot of different things that i think a lot of people you know a lot of problems that that people have uh, are similar <laughs> i think across uh you know he's doing some consulting and also writing boring rails and he also grew a twitter uh you know uh following um for himself and for this canadian football league um and so uh yeah it's just kind of interesting conversation love it uh that, that episode was posted about 10 minutes before we started recording this so yeah it was <laughs> i can't i can't uh I'd, I'd love to dig into like uh the stuff that he said the if if there were hot takes you did, I'd, I'd probably have my own hot take, but uh, that might have to wait until next week. Uh, cool. So tell me about uh, the the good things that happened and the bad things that happened. I saw on Twitter you got the first place. You you were in the the number one spot in your AI competition. That's amazing. So yeah. So uh, well, it's not done yet. There's three weeks left. Um, mm-hmm. I got to first place. Uh, I was passed by the team behind me. The team behind me is is pretty good and coming hard. Um, mm-hmm. but this is part of the uh, some good, some bad stuff. So imagine like the the whole process i don't want to talk too in too specific detail because the contest is still happening but um it's like you know i've been doing it for what three or four weeks uh i made a sort of fatal uh error around day two and didn't realize it until recently um and i can talk about this more later when the contest is over but that that first place was not quite what it seemed i think Uh, it was still good Mm. right not quite what it seemed um, because the public leaderboard and the private leaderboard are different. Um, and it is mostly unrecoverable. So I have to basically go back to kind of the start. Um, you know, it's not totally wasted. I learned a bunch of stuff and I can apply some of the same things that I did. Um, but yeah, without getting too specific, you know, it's like, how, you know, how do you deal with it? I, I almost just, just didn't 
do it because <laughs> I was like, I have to redo, you know, what, three weeks of work or something. Um, and I basically can't use anything that I, that I did for the last two or three weeks. Um, the good news is I think I'll, I'll get real, you know, get there relatively quickly. So, you know, if it took three weeks to do it before, it'll probably take me three days to catch up to where I was. Um, but yeah, so that, that was some of the good and some of the bad that happened with, uh, with that. What a, what a setback. Uh, there's an, there are two leaderboards. There's an internal and an external leaderboard. Yeah. So what they don't want you to do is, so, so there's what they call a public leaderboard, which is what they use all the way up until the end of the competition. And what they don't want you to do, if that was the only score, then you could like just keep submitting files, like guessing basically, and then keep the, mm. you know, guessing row by row and then keep the ones that do good, and, you know? And so you wouldn't be solving the problem. You'd be, it's called, the strategy is called leaderboard probing um, because mm. you're like probing the leaderboard for weaknesses basically, or for the right answer. Um, so to get around that, they basically have a small portion of the total rows be the public leaderboard and the rest of them be the private leaderboard. So when you're mm. increasing your score before the end of the competition, you're increasing it on a small number of rows. Um, mm. and then at the end of the competition, they rescore everyone on all the rows. Gotcha. And a very, very common mistake is to what's called overfit to the public leaderboard. So you see your score go down. That's great. You keep doing more of those things. Um, and then I made a few submissions that made me realize that I was overfitting to this public leaderboard. Um, mm -hmm. I was basically doing better on the public leaderboard than on the private leaderboard. Um, and I won't quite, you know, there, there are, you know, ways you can sort of figure that out using there's different cross validation techniques and stuff. Um, and when they don't match up, you realize you've done something wrong. And I realized the thing I did wrong was like three weeks ago. <laughs> And so, gotcha. um, yeah, so I kind of have to redo a lot of work, uh, which stinks. That does stink. I'm sorry. Uh, and also what a, what a great solution to this problem of, I had the thought, like, why wouldn't you just overfit the data to the score if they're, if they're giving you the score? So that's a, that's a very elegant solution to just hold back a lot of the data. And then at the very end, they're scoring you on the, on the actual data. Uh, I can imagine that would be like very dramatic of like <laughs> the leaderboard just flips and the, the people who were at the bottom were actually, you know, doing the, the deeper, more fundamental work to, to fit it well. So the, it, it's, it could be more of a vanity metric to be scoring high on the leaderboard if you're, if you're not getting the fundamental things, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's super really common at the end. You can see how many places people jump or fall and people jump or fall by like a hundred places. Um, wow. so yeah. Yep. How interesting. And yeah, you could jump or fall by mm -hmm. 100 places because you, if it actually is a really difficult problem and the people who are all scoring higher are merely overfitting to the public data, uh, then yeah, if you're, how, what an interesting analogy of like, because you, you think about like, you know, maybe, maybe someone who's, who's running their company or running their life in a way that, uh, if, if it's their life, they're posting a bunch of things on Instagram, like, ah, oh, look how great my life is. And look at this. I'm on this vacation in Maui. Oh, it was so interesting. The, uh, when, when, uh, Sarah and I went to this Airbnb of these tiny houses, uh, beautiful spot in Austin in the hill country. And, uh, the, there's like places where you can, uh, make a grill to cook up your food. And there's like these wild chickens and it was just serene. And it was really close to this amazing hiking. And Sarah and I get there and I don't think we, I don't think we posted a picture the entire time. Uh, we're just like enjoying it. And like, we took some pictures for memories and things and, uh, but didn't, didn't post any of it. I don't know that anyone on social media knows that I even went to Austin. And there was another couple there <laughs> that went to this A-frame house across the way. And they got there a little bit after we did. Uh, and they were taking pictures the entire time. And it's like, 
this <laughs> like you could tell they were working yep. um and just just looked amazing and they were gone that i think they stayed the night there and they were gone like before we woke up the next morning <laughs> and like the they were overfitting to the data yeah, you know they yeah. they were overfitting to the to the public data their 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 experience of that someone someone looking at the social media feeds of Sarah and me versus this couple would be like wow this other couple is having such a great time and like Look at this. They spent all this time and, and look at all these pictures. They must have been here for like two weeks, but they were there for like a night. <laughs> and uh, the 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 analogy I'm, I'm getting is like, this is sort of a difference in strategy of life. It can, it can seem like you're doing very poorly compared to everyone else, but it may just be that everyone else is playing the game of making themselves look good or like having the, 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 the shorter term strategy. And uh, over the long run, it sounds like having the strategy where you're actually doing the fundamental thing that you need to be doing, you're actually uh, making the, the AI algorithm fit the, the actual data or, you know, you're actually enjoying nature and working on your relationship. Uh, that that strategy would be better over time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great analogy. Um, I, ha I had another thought too, um, more business related, which is like, it, it was kind of like I had a startup idea and I was asking people and they said, yeah, it's great. But when I actually find that mm. found out how, how, you know, and I got a glimpse of how it was actually going to do, uh, yeah. it was very poor. Um, and so it, it, yeah, to be fair, it, it's not, not very poor. It was, I was direction, slightly directionally off in a way that I know that I'll drop places uh, when it comes to the end. Mm. And so to fix that, I have to kind of go back and redo the beginning steps. Um, I'm reminded of John Carmack's strategy for, uh, building software he, he has some quote i'll try to dig this up for the show notes but it's a quote along the lines of like when he has ideas for two different approaches to do something uh the 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 impulse is to like research both of them and then pick a direction and then do it he'll do both if he's like oh should this be multi-threaded or single-threaded he'll be like, I, I don't know let's try both and, and let's do it and what I've, I've i've sort of embodied that in my own life as like in situations where i need to recode something entirely that's still going forward. And like, I wouldn't have been able to get to the point where I'm at, where I can go forward if I hadn't already gone through the, the first part. Um, and the second time you build something is just so much better that even if you have to start yeah. from scratch, the, the, the understanding you have about the problem and the pitfalls of that, uh, you're, you're, you're able to go forward in a way that you could not have from the start. Uh, you need to make those mistakes in the beginning to, to be able to have those advances in the future. So, uh, as a word of encouragement, it, it may not be as bad as it seems, and this this may not actually be a setback. It may be like the process that you had to go through to to discover how to do this. Yeah, yeah, and not just that, but like you can read all the warnings you want about it. Like people post all the time about the types of things that I did. Like you know, like um, it, I, I made a mistake. That's pretty common, right? Um, but now that I've viscerally gone through it and have to redo work, like I won't make this mistake again ever. <laughs> <laughs> so it's. That's the way it goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. On the plus side, I'm getting um, I'm things that I ha had found difficult with AI before. I'm finding easy now because I've gone mm. through all this, uh, you know, and um, so so that feels really good. Like it's I'm starting to turn the corner about understanding a lot of different things. Uh, I feel like you know the learning is working, and so mm. you know that that's all great uh, on that side. So pretty excited about all that. Um, I do. I still I keep looking at systems because I'm using Google Colab, which is great. Um, mm. It feels like I, I realized it feels like I'm always on borrowed time, though. So like every time I'm on that 
thing. I'm like, well, like even now there's something running and I have to click on that website every 30 minutes or else it's going to close. <laughs> like that's the biggest mm. thing. Um, and then I, I looked at another Kaggle contest that has like 38 gigs of uh, bird noises, which is very interesting. Um, but if I want to, I can pre-process it on my computer, but I still probably have to push, you know, I don't know, 15 gigabytes of stuff to Google Drive and then use it on Google mm. Colab, um, which is just not sustainable long-term. So I'm like, all right, if I want to do this for <laughs> these other kind of image projects, um, I really need to uh, buy my own machine. So... I think I think you're right. I will probably do that at some point. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us can resist buying a yeah. new piece of tech. Uh, cool. I'm I'm excited to hear about that new machine. I think that makes a lot of sense for the stuff you're doing, uh, yeah. especially because like, you know, you've you've been in this contest for a month, and yeah. it's going to go on for like another three weeks. Like, this this doesn't feel like a short term thing that you're just picking up for fun. Like, this AI has a thread in your career that's been very strong. And uh, if, if there's a way that you can spend money to improve your workflow to make it easier to do these sorts of things, like, yes, absolutely. I think do that every time. Uh, it's, it's difficult to find opportunities like this to like uh, the, the way that I frame this in my own life is like, okay, I can spend $2,000 right now to get a, a computer and that's going to speed everything I do up by like 10 or 15%. Is there another way that I could spend that money that would get me a similar outcome. And like, no, I wish there was, I wish I could buy 10 computers. Uh, but you know, I, I just get the the benefit from the first one. Uh, and then I have to look for a new creative way to, to spend the next money. Um, so like, yeah, this is a very clear, straightforward way to, to spend money to make the work that you do faster and make that process easier. I think absolutely. Uh, that, that makes so much sense. Um, I was reminded in your description of like the advantage of uh, that, you know, this, this is a thing people say not to do, but now that you've done this mistake, this, this feels so cloak and dagger, like mysterious. Of like, what did you do? But I'm, I'm excited to, to like have the reveal of, of what was actually going on there. Uh, but the way you're describing it of like, you know, it's it sounds like a thing that people know not to do, but having having actually done it, uh, you now viscerally remember the mistake of, oh man, don't do this because, you know, this, this is what burned me uh, three weeks in that competition. That to me is what expertise is. I'm reminded of the video series you did where you were recording every step of building a SaaS uh, and there were these videos, you know, they, they were like a minute and a half long. And there were three different times in one of those minute and a half videos where you were like, oh, and don't do it this way because, you know, it takes the DNS two days to propagate. So you have to do it this way. Each one of those things took, you know, I don't know, two weeks each for you to figure out. Uh, and now you're in this spot where you can more gracefully navigate these treacherous waters, uh, this this partially submerged stone path in the, in the bog uh, because you've walked through it uh, dozens of times. Um, so yeah, I think, I think this is what it looks and feels like to gain mastery over something. Uh, so it, it sounds like you're killing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, good way to put it. Um, and yeah, I was super bummed out for a few hours and then I was like, all right, went back, I redid a bunch of stuff and, and, uh, you know, now it is like, so it's running right now and we'll see how it goes. So I think cool. it'll do all right. Um, how annoying to keep having to jiggle your mouse every yeah every, I, know, uh, I know 10 minutes is that what you said i think it's 30 minutes i, I think it's very i think it's okay. variable like they don't really say this like if mm. if a lot of people are using the resources then they'll kick people off who haven't touched their session for a while um mm. which is really really annoying <laughs> and so yeah. even if i have to overpay so, so i priced it all out 
uh, I could say, uh, I could talk about this for a long time, but I priced it all out. If I use it 24 seven for a year, then it pays for itself. Um, okay. which I won't, um, I could also do crypto mining on it. Like we talked about, uh, yeah. I don't know if I want to, I, then it, I have to worry about my power bill. And, uh, I'd also, the machines I'm looking at are like at near the upper limit of what like household circuits will like handle <laughs> like oh, one, one or two of these big GPUs will like max out, you know, like eight amps or 12 amps. <laughs> um, and so I have to worry about like what else is on my power circuit. Um, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> working through all that. What right a now. project. What a flex also that like my computer is so powerful. <laughs> it's maxing out the circuits in my house. Yeah. And oh, it's, it won't man, happen all the fine. time, but yeah, peak load, you know, for these GPUs when they first spin up is like eight amps. So that's nuts. Yeah. Huh? Okay. Yeah. How much are you thinking of spending on this? I, I may be totally off with it. So that. you're a little bit off that it, it would cost. So the GPU is itself retail price. If I want one would be 1500. And then I need to put yeah. a computer around it, which is another thousand dollars. So retail price, 2,500 okay. right now, because of all the crypto stuff, the cheapest I can get is 4,000. And I'm not even hundred percent sure that would work because it comes with windows and I have to install Linux really. And so there's like this hmm. whole process. If I just 4,000 want... for the whole computer or just the $1,500 for the whole computer. Yeah. For the whole computer. Okay. Yeah. Um, if I want a, a good setup, it's about 5,000. If I want a good setup, that's pre set up for deep learning. So already has Ubuntu installed has a warranty and everything that's more like mm. seven thousand um Ooh. and if i'm spending that much anyway then i could spend another three grand and get a giant dual you know <laughs> gpu thing so <laughs> 10 grand gets me like the real so um i don't really have that kind of cash to just put down though on a giant machine that isn't making me money yeah, so uh, yeah. but i could buy the cheaper ones so um yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Ten grand is is a little harder to. <laughs> that's that's uh, so okay. I I think I think the question I'd be asking is like, is there a way that you could spend ten grand that would be better than buying this computer? So like, you know, for for ten thousand dollars, you could hire someone in the Philippines to just constantly keep your sessions alive, and that that would be their salary for like a year. Uh, or I don't know, you, you could hire a personal assistant at $20 an hour for 10 hours a week. And, uh, what $200 to, uh, it's like what five months of a personal assistant, uh, like that. Yeah. It's, are, it's... are there other ways that you could spend that money? I mean, so that, that's why I did the math. Like I could, I could do this on cloud instances. Um, so I could mm -hmm. do spot instances that aren't Google that cost it's, it's like a, you know, a buck 25 or so for a similar card per hour, mm -hmm. um, that I keep it on. Uh, not for the 10 grand one, that's for the $4,000 one. Um, mm. and it's about double that for the, the 10 grand one. So yeah. Uh, or I could just keep using Google Colab and deal with the, you know, and that's $10 a month. And so like, if I'm competing mm. on price, I, I can't beat Google. So, yeah. um, yeah, we'll see. Is there, is there not a more elegant solution to like keep the session alive? I would think there's hacks there you can do. There, there's, to it. Okay. there are JavaScript console things you can do to keep it alive. Yeah. Um, okay. Most of the time, I'm not letting it run that long, really. Um, and if I am mm. letting it run that long, it's on a problem which the Google Colab thing isn't power enough to handle anyway. So it's like mm. for for networks that really need that long training time, you need a more powerful setup anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> several things to consider. Mm. But okay, okay, not not quite as clear cut as I thought it would be. Yeah, ten grand is. A lot. <laughs> and to be for, I, for a thing that's not making money. I probably won't buy that one, but if, okay. yeah, 
because it's a lot of money. If, uh, if you're going to spend eight grand, you might as well spend 10 grand. Right. <laughs> but if I can spend four, then that's different. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just have the the instance. Huh. Anyway, so that's all AI stuff. Um, I did some SaaS stuff too. So I started this work in nope. progress uh, the session with Alex Hillman. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's going to be like, we start with a group of three um, for the starter session, and then there's like a group of twelve that meets every two weeks, and then there's like a Discord chat and other things, um, and that is going to be good for meeting place. That's going to keep me on track. It's going to. Uh, so the first one was all about goals, like what the goals are for the four months, um, and we have homework about creating goals and stuff. And so uh, it it feels good that you know someone else is pushing me to do things that I know I want to do but are hard for me to do. Um, mm. And so I'm excited, you know, I haven't fully processed like what my goals are and all that stuff, but I can talk about that next week probably. Um, and it is exciting that I'm going to move forward on meeting place. Um, even though what I want to do is just spend time and money on stuff that's not making me time or money. Hmm. I feel that I like it. The, uh, it's funny you're doing this too. I, I think I had this subliminally in my mind. Uh, I'm working on a project with Sarah and uh realized that like the best way to push that forward would be re-going through 30 by 500 um and every time i've I've gone through it like uh (laughs) i've gone through half of it twice uh i the the whole second half of it is like how to build things which wasn't as appealing as the the marketing side of it but um yeah going going back to those fundamentals and from alex hillman especially and amy hoy what what fantastic resources of information um in how to do this so yeah cool i'm excited to hear about your goals and i'm doing something similar by going back through 30 by 500 yeah and if you want the the light version of that for our listeners so alex hillman has this book called the tiny mba um yeah it's an ebook it's like ten dollars i think it's super good value for what it is um and then amy hoy has a book called just fucking ship and that is all about yes. how to get stuff out um so, oh so good yeah if you read those two things you'll get you know 80 percent of the way there so uh i think that's ten dollars each and, and you get a full education this is a, a bigger point just about expensive courses in general is like there are no unique pieces of information there are only unique messengers <laughs> like if you're if you're balking at the price of this course and it's a very expensive course don't do it right. and get a book instead you, you all of this information is freely available but like the the thing that you're paying for is to have it spoon fed to you and organized in in uh a series that makes sense and like have a step by step so that you feel like you're making progress but if you're able to read a book like my gosh that's what a superpower you have to be able to extract this very valuable information uh that would otherwise be very expensive if if it's digested just a little bit more um yeah all it's it's all the same sort of stuff Cool. So that was what I got up to. How about you? I didn't get any of the things I wanted to get done <laughs> in the last episode. Uh, and I I can make very good excuses for doing that, of like moving through times and dealing with these stupid allergies. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to get it done for this next week. Uh, so what I would love to talk about on my end is the two things that I found myself gravitating towards. Uh, I've got these two projects that I keep pushing forward just like for fun. Um, and I would like your hot takes on them. Uh, the first one is a book reader that right now I'm only building for myself, uh, because I, 
have difficulty thinking about how I could implement this as a commercial product. Um, here's here's my pitch for it. Reading a book is difficult because it's presented linearly when actually the content is hierarchical. Like it's a it's a nested tree structure. It's like uh, you know the, the we we start off at the title of the book, and then there's all the chapters, and those are like the major sections, and then within each chapter are smaller subsections, and then within that are paragraphs, uh, and within those paragraphs are like ideas. And I read a book recently called How to Read a Book that talked about this method that grad students use to go through content like this, uh, which is you you go through it in multiple passes. Uh, where each pass you're you're going in a slightly deeper layer. So like the first pass, you just read the title and the chapter headings uh, and the table of contents. And then the second pass, you go through and like read all the section headings in bolded words. And then the third pass, you go through and like jump around and, and dig deeper. So I would love to build a, a ebook reader that actually takes advantage of the medium. Current ebook readers are just like, it's like reading a PDF. It still has this analogy of that there's a page and uh, it's still presented linearly. We're not really taking advantage of, hey, you know, this this is a digital medium. We can do this in a totally different way. And I have been building this for myself and I love it. It makes so much sense for me of the way that I want to read book content and the way that I want to take notes on it. Uh, and... Uh, the, my, my flow for this is like, I'll go through in a chapter and uh, summarize a paragraph. And then uh, after I'm done with a section, I go back and summarize the section. And then after I'm done with the whole chapter, I'll go back and summarize the different sections. And now I, I feel like I've extracted everything from this book uh, that I can be. And that's what I'm working on. And I love it. And it's like very valuable work for me to be pushing forward. Uh, and if the only thing this accomplishes is that I'm able to better read books and like I've, I've made a much better system for me to, to read books. Like this project will be a success. So I'm, I'm pushing it forward no matter what, but I'm curious what your hot take on that is of like, is this something that could be a business? Is this something that should be an open source tool? Uh, I'll give you a, a little bit of the background on like the technically what's happening here is I need to take an EPUB and split it apart and then process it into a hierarchical tree structure. And then, make a book a json file and then i'm taking the json file and like writing notes on it uh and that's it's right now it's a really manual process and i'm not sure that it could be perfectly automated of like ah input your epub here and then i'll i'll, I'll put a json file it's there's a little bit of handcrafting that needs to go into it and like i don't think i can sell books i don't like could i go to a publisher and say hey i I reformatted your books in this new format and I want to sell it on my platform and give you a cut of it. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how I would even do that. Or is this just a tool that I open source or is this a tool that like I could sell with a tutorial of how to process your books? Uh, what's your hot take? Yeah. Um, there's lots of interesting things you could do with that. Um, I don't right away. I don't see you know, I don't have the knowledge to, to really, uh, know how you could turn it into a commercial product. Um, mm. there, there might be, it, it seems difficult to go to consumers and do this cause you have to like educate them first and that's always difficult. Um, and I'm trying to think of like places where people ingest a lot of information and need it hierarchically like stored. Um, 
but like like in general so i've sort of had a thought before about in the reverse about writing a book this way um so like mm. you know it like it's kind of the way i did my react book but the way generally i think you, know, you can write books relatively well are like you know like start with like two points like what you're going to start with and what you want to the, the book to you know say in the end then break that out into like 10 points you know like this is the linear way to get to that path and break each one of those out into chapters and write like write a paragraph about what the chapter is going to be about and then break each one of those paragraphs into you know a section or whatever um so like uh so that's sort of interesting that you are going at that the other way you know like digesting it backwards um hmm. from how i was thinking about like writing a book so that's kind of neat um and then uh, so the one thing i did think of is so joel hooks who uh is um uh, one of the co-founders of egghead.io he um, has talked a lot about like how people learn basically um, how people go through material especially nonfiction material and he has hired consultants to help him do that there are people who's like you know kind of consulting practice it is to help people help other people learn um and this feels this feels like in that vein so it's like you know how do people take in information um and then how do people learn and then another one of my thoughts, so, so maybe, you know, interesting to go back, you can go through his old tweets or you can actually, you know, reach out to him and ask who those people are. Um, I, I don't remember offhand. Um, and then um, this is also like, so this could be valuable to people learning new things, especially like uh, things in textbooks. Um, this could also be super valuable for people writing new things. So like if you had a bunch of people reading this way and you rec started recognizing patterns in how they read, then that may inform writers about how to better write books. So that's something to think about. Um, but these are all sort of research ideas and not, <laughs> you know, what to do with it. Um, I think if you enjoy it, you should continue doing it for you. I don't, I don't see the immediate way you could turn it into, uh, I mean, you could open source it obviously, um, but turning it into a commercial product, I don't see the immediate way you could do that, um, except just as a reader. Like if you fully automated it, doing it as an EPUB reader, you know, maybe you could get people mm -hmm. interested in reading that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was kind of a rambling hot take, but uh, those are the things I thought about. Good takes. I'm. I, I had the thought uh, in you saying that this is how you write books. Maybe I could flip this product around and make it a book writer like that. That yeah. would actually be pretty straightforward in the way that I made it. Um, yeah, and, and you could. So with that, the 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 way the place I was going with there that when I did this, this was years ago actually that I thought about writing it this way was. Like you could write a whole system that like it gives you a prompt for the day that you sort of predetermine. So your prompt for the first day is write how you're going to start the book and then what you want to prove by the end. And the prompt for the second mm -hmm. day is write the 10 points that you need to prove in order in order to make that proof. And the prompt for the mm -hmm. third day is write the summary for this point. And then you do that 10 mm -hmm. days in a row and then write the, you know, so like it's kind of like a, a self, like, like, like you give yourself all your prompts like in order. So it's like, you know, how to write a book in a box kind of, uh, kind of thing. Uh, so that's kind of where I was going to do it, go with it personally, but I like that. How interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you could just take, you know, uh, the, the, the 10 sub points on day two, those then become, okay, well, we're, we're going to work for the next 10 weeks then because each of those things is going to be a, a, its own week long thing and walking you through. Okay. Yeah. That, that would be a very different product for a very different type of person, but that's a, that's a very cool idea. Uh, I like the idea of learning consultants. I'll, I'll look into that uh, from Joel Hooks. And then giving better analytics on how people read books is not something I thought about. I'm, I don't know what Amazon gives you, but like, yeah, that would be incredibly useful. Like, you know, Google Analytics for blogs, uh, if, if you could see, oh man, I have 80% of my readers dropping off on chapter three. What's going wrong in chapter three? Uh, huh. And then you could like 
revise that content. Hmm. I think part of what I'm lamenting in this is that I'm looking for a medium that doesn't exist. I'm looking for a medium that of publishing digital content that's the length and the polish of a book, but that's a, that's a digital native format. We have blog posts, but if a blog post is over 10,000 words, that's unusual. That's a, that's a very long blog post and people don't really have the method and systems to, to read a blog post that's that, that long. A blog post is like 10 minutes and you read it from email or something. Uh, and people have routines with books where they'll go and sit down in their cozy chair and read through a book and process that information for a, a longer time. And you can sort of do that with eBooks, but I, I think, I think what I'm grasping at is like, how might we have a better way to ingest long form, much more polished content that's like a book, but in a more digital medium, um, still chewing on it. Yeah. It's a, there's, um, so there's a couple other places. So like, uh, so like, like learning paths is a whole thing. Um, so like, how do you learn a complex topic with sort of discrete information? Like I know it, like Pluralsight and, um, sort of, uh, Egghead sort of both, you know, like and other video sites, they sort of push you towards videos that they think will help you based on what you've done mm-hmm. in the past. That's sort of like what this is. Um, newline.co, they make lots of books. Um, the technical books and they're sort of working on a platform sort of like this too which is like how do we make a sort of web native book where you know because technical books it's like 500 pages and no one reads through 500 pages um so if you do it online it can be like you know you can sort of pick and choose what you do and then based on what you do it suggests the next sort of topics you know that you can do and i know they're struggling you know they're they're grappling with that a little bit um so yeah so i think there's something there especially especially like Again, this is one of those things where it's super valuable if you can help people learn things faster. Um, mm. uh, how to get there uh, is tricky, but mm. you're onto something. I think. I mean, I, I don't see the initial or the the commercial value right away, but I think you know if you continue in this vein, I think you'll find something interesting. I guess the bigger problem here is what what's the best way to be absorbing content? Video is also really good, but video has its disadvantages of that it's presented linearly and you can't really see like a, an entire overview of the topic. I'm learning how to build tiny houses. And there's a course that I bought that has uh, a book and then accompanying video lectures and the video lectures go with the book, but they're not together. It's, mm. it's like the content in the book is over here and it's this PDF that's 200 pages long. And then the videos are over here. And what I want is them to be meshed together in a good way. Uh, that it's not just like, okay, well, we split up each chapter into a separate PDF and we have the video above it. I want it to be like intertwined better somehow of like the, the video pieces are in the outline of, uh, the book at the, at the right places. And, you know, on the, in the section of the book where it says, uh, make sure you, you, uh, attach the framing of your house to the, the steel, uh, uh, trailer. Uh, and like use this technique. I'm, okay, I want to see what that looks like. I want to I want to see right below that description like a GIF or a little video of them actually doing it. Um, hmm. Hmm. One thing you could do too, which is sort of meta. Which, I don't know if you are interested in this at all, but uh, you know it would be interesting for someone to take something a lot of people want to do, like learn guitar or learn Spanish mm-hmm. or something like that, uh, present it in kind of this hierarchical way and or this sort of video you know this mixed media intertwined way um and then write a study about that <laughs> write a book about that um mm. 
like you know present your findings based on teaching lots of people how to do something uh, uh that seems like a neat like ted talk oh, or something um that's cool oh man i could do this with uh genco school the uh the oh the yeah course i'm writing on how to learn to program and that sort of makes sense because like learning is not linear learning is hierarchical you there's there's like multiple places to be pushing forward and you you need to know a little bit about every section and then okay now we can sort of dig deeper into each of those pieces uh but like to start a website you need to know a little bit of html and a little bit of css and a little bit of javascript and you just need to know like just enough and then okay once once we've sort of mastered that and, and pushed forward on uh, those main three branches now we can now we can push forward on those three branches another step uh and if it was more clear that like th that was the way you were going through the information it it might be easier to, to push forward that like okay I'm, I'm right now i'm just on the main branches because i'm a beginner and then okay i've mastered the main branches now i'm going to dig one level further in each of those to, to flesh that out hmm oh these are some fun thoughts yeah this may be a problem of just like coming up with a, a better way of learning things interesting I'd be interested to see where you get. Um, one, one thing I didn't really talk about, I talked about this the first time you talked about this idea, which is this is definitely, I see this as a nonfiction play. Um, so when mm. you're talking about fiction, yes. like that's really like if you're ingesting a narrative, I don't see you wanting to jump around, you know, like, yeah. like nonfiction is pretty, pretty set. I, or sorry, fiction is pretty set. Like you read through it straight. Um, but yeah, it's when you're learning something that this jumping around uh, helps, I think. Makes sense. Cool. Oh, good, good thoughts to chew on. Uh, last thing. Uh, hot take on the uh, project I'm working on with Sarah. Uh, I have so many things going on, and uh... <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so many different projects, uh, and so she uh, works in a standard job right now, and was uh, sort of lamenting, like, "Oh, how cool is it that you have income from a business? Uh, I'd like to do that too." Uh, and I was like, okay, like, are any of these ideas interesting to you? Like, would you like to push any of them forward? And she was like, ah, a time tracker. That's cool. Cause she used to do consulting work where she has to, had to track her time. Uh, her network is people who, uh, would, would use a time tracker. Um, and so the, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I have. And then I, I think I've talked about this before, but I'd love to know just like, if your goal was to make this make money. Uh, how would you approach that? Um, so the thing that I built for myself is in trying to get a better handle of my own time, I built several different experiments that, that ended in this system where I can track everything I do. Anytime I switch a task, right now I'm recording makers.dev uh, and I can tag it with like makers.dev and then I can see for the week how much time did I spend on makers.dev. That's, that's the thing that I'm able to answer questions like, uh, you know, how, how efficient is my editing process? Uh, if, if I published a 45 minute episode, uh, how much time did it take me in recording and editing and everything else to, to make that episode? And so how efficient am I, uh, in producing that? And that has been so valuable in my life of being able to do these time audits of figuring out, okay, what are my values? Where do I want to be pushing forward? Uh, what does my time look like reflected by that? And, and how should I adjust accordingly? Uh, it's sort of crazy to me that we can track every penny that we spend, but we <laughs> can't track the where we spent the time. Uh, so that's that's the thing that I built, and it's worked very well for me. And I've showed it to a few people, and they're like, oh, that's cool, and like, here are some features I'd like with it. Um, and I don't know that I am the best 
audience for this product because I'm sort of like a life hacking time optimizing person and I don't know how much time I would spend on this. Uh, maybe if it was if it was a more bespoke product of that the product is that you do a time audit on someone and it's like more of a consulting thing and like I'll meet with you once a week to talk about how you spent your time last week and this this piece of software is just one of the tools that I use to to help you with that. Um, but then I'm also thinking of like uh, Amy Hoy has her time tracking company Noco um, that just makes stupid amounts of money. I think targeting uh, consultants and there's a lot of people who I think need this in a business context who like it, it wouldn't be its original intended audience of helping you personally optimize your time, but uh, the, the product would sort of become a different thing. But I could see that as a, as a more straightforward business play. Uh, if I'm looking for like lawyers or consultants who need to be tracking time and writing invoices. Uh, but like that's, that's not an audience that I'm very familiar with. Uh, Sarah has, a few people who uh, need to do this, but uh, she she doesn't have like a huge professional network of people who all need to track their time. Uh, so, I think we're both we're both curious about ways that we could be mm, pushing this forward to turn it into a business. And um, that, that that path doesn't seem clear right now. What's your hot take? Yeah. So, um, if your goal is to make money quickly, uh, then then yeah, you probably sh well. I'll say several different things. The first thing is, uh, yeah, uh, my first take is you probably focus on a yeah a business where they have to track their time. Um, I would say I don't know many people who like tracking their time in a business setting, mm -hmm. but they have to to get paid. So consultants, mm -hmm. lawyers, um, doctors who move. So this is an interesting one. I actually did some work with this before. Um, doctors who see multiple clients have to track their time per client. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of that kind of thing. Um, yeah, doctors, lawyers, consultants. Um, and, and then also there's all sorts of like, uh, so as a consultant who has, who has subcontracted for other consultants, I've had to track my time, not for myself, but for them sometimes. Um, so mm -hmm. that's a whole thing. Um, and, and yeah, there's lots of time trackers. You could probably make a time tracker that, that worked for business like that. Um, I think that would be fairly straightforward as long as you, you know, just like, you know, just like you talked about Amy Hoy, you know, sort of made a, you know, fairly straightforward you know, kind of lovable time tracker, even though people, you know, don't really love their time trackers. Um, <laughs> and, and you can make money that way. Um, what I understood from your time tracker, though, is the approach from the beginning was sort of different. Um, because, like you said, you're a sort of a life hacker sort of person who is actually very interested in tracking their time. And so this is not for a work thing. This is for a, you know, personal, like, I want to make sure I'm uh, productive or, or at least understanding my time thing. Mm. Um, and that's a whole different audience. That's a little more, that re really reminds me of like nomad list. Um, if you know about that, mm. um, where mm. this is like a whole group of people who get really excited about, you know, traveling to different places and living different places. Um, or like Scott cheap's flights, who is like, uh, about, um, people who get really excited about like airline miles and getting cheap flights. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so there's these communities that get really excited about things like that. I bet there is a time tracking sort of community that either exists or you could build that's like that. Um, so that would be for that. I would look more in, in the inspiration of, you know, Scott's cheap flights or nomad list or something like that. Mm -hmm. I bet you could build something like that around time tracking and sort of life hacking, you know, um, that way. Mm -hmm. So that's another direction. Um, uh, I probably had more ideas, but yeah, those are the two directions I could see you taking it either going for the business thing where people don't really, like to track their time, but they have to, to get paid or their boss tells them to, yeah. or go for the people who are really into it. Um, 
for no particular business benefit necessarily, but kind of this life hacking thing. Oh, the other the other thing you said was so the other thing, place I can see this is like executives. So you know, CEO of a Fortune 100 company, like where their time is worth you know several thousand dollars per hour. Like they need to know, and their assistant needs to know, you know, exactly how much their time would spend on each thing and and how to prioritize it. So you could kind of go that direction. Like people who make you know say multiple millions of dollars per year, it's very important how they spend their time, um, mm. which is a whole different ball game, I would say. Uh, yeah, those are my takes. I love the analogy to Scotch Cheap Flights and Nomad Less, that there exist communities who just love doing this thing. That sounds delightful. That's like, how cool would that be to, to build something for what now is like a really underserved audience? Uh, there's not a time tracker for people who love time tracking. There's, uh, I've, I've dipped my toes in a few different places, like CGP Gray on his pod, uh, podcast, Cortex, talks a lot about time tracking for like, like lifestyle time tracking. Uh, and has lamented that you're using these tools that are made for uh, consultants and, and businesses and things. Um, and that it, it doesn't quite fit in the model of if you just love tracking your time, like right. getting a, a better sense of that. Uh, oh man, that would be delightful to, to build something for them because how, how, how much different is that than building a product that people have to use right. to get paid? You could make so much more money doing that, but it would be so much more fun to build something people love hmm at, at the same time okay, like yeah. no, nomad lists and scott chief's flights are making lots of money so you know if you hit it right then that's true, that's money true. Anyway. I, the first thing i would do uh then if, if that that sounds like that's you've latched onto that idea i would go back indie hackers has uh, interviews i think with both of them uh, um and if not other types of there, there are several types like this kind of a category of thing where there's like people who it's not exactly their job but they really love this thing like airline mile hacking or you know you know nomad list or whatever um go listen to interviews about how they built it how they you know created the thing uh, another one is uh, mr money mustache so he has yes. a y combinator interview about uh you don't build a brand build a cult i think that's the name of it um <laughs> i would listen to that uh yeah yeah all these kind of people who sort of build this i'll call it a cult this is brand you know around um that, that kind of thing uh, that's what i would do I'm reminded also of Rome Research, this note-taking tool, calls their users the Rome cult. And their community is so vibrant and engaged. And, like, it does it does feel like a cult. It, like, it's, it's a lifestyle to use Rome Research. It's a different way of note-taking that... And, you know, they're, they're making crazy amounts of money right now. I think it's it was, like, the fastest product to get to a million MRR uh, maybe ever. That might not be true. There's some crazy st <laughs> yeah. statistic about uh, how quickly they made money. That's um, an interesting one because Rome also has a business case. And so that's probably how they're making their money. Mm -hmm. Like they get these fanatical individual users and then there's also a business case. And so these fanatical... What's the business case? Who who are the business Rome users research? of Rome Research? Yeah. Uh, anyone who would use Notion, I think, could also use Rome. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And so they, you get these that's fanatical users that... who take it into the business and then pay for it. Yeah. And then you can run the business similar to how how you would use notion that's interesting that's I, I wasn't aware that was a thing people were doing huh huh yeah okay so this i like that angle a lot because if if i'm going after the lifestyle of time tracking and i make a time tracking cult then they could also be pulling that into uh the the business it'd be a very different business it's like that's not a, a very good traditional like bootstrapping business because i think rome charges something like you know six dollars a month 
Um, and if they just nailed the business case, if they had said like, you know, here's the type of business who could benefit the most from this type of note-taking and we're going to charge them $500 a month and have just a hundred customers, that would be a, arguably a much better bootstrap business than what they have now, which is like millions of people using this thing. Um, the, the scale of problem you have to deal with is very different. Hmm. Hmm. I'm curious about things like Scott Street Flights. I'm I'm very interested in uh, listening to that because that that feels like a much more manageable business. Uh, it's like you know an email newsletter uh, for people who like travel. That's I imagine the the customer support for that is very low. Um, hmm. Yeah. Cool. Email newsletter. There, there may be a way to do this. That'd be a great way to start this too. You know, like once a week, I will send you you know my top tip for saving time this week or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that seems awesome. You know. Yeah, and just start growing the the audience that way. I like that. Cool. Cool. Thank you. You you've solved my problem. I feel like I have a way forward that I like and uh other ways forward that uh are probably make a lot more business sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Story of my life too. <laughs> Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye. All right.